Khalif Raymond from the 30. Flag is down. And Raymond has run out of bounds. Another flag comes in at the 32. There are six flags on the field. Tuesday, August 29th, we're back, National Lemon Juice Day. I don't know if that means lemonade. I don't think it does. It's probably like that little, like, you know, that little bottle, that little lemon bottle. <laughs> Squirt into, like, cocktails or whatever you're making. But that, but does, that doesn't I agree. A day. No one's ever been like, yo, let's go to the lemon... <laughs> Let's go to the lemon juice stand. Like, no one's ever said that. You know, maybe it is a lemonade stand thing, though, because I've seen more lemonade stands this week than I have seen, like, all summer. I think it's, like, a last week is like, summer. The oh. kids start to get a little nervous. They're like, I need something to do. I need some money before school. Let's just throw myself on Crow Child. I, I, <laughs> I, need, a, I need something to talk about when I see my friends the first week, and I want to say how much bank I made. <laughs> Uh, at the lemonade stand i totally agree i was um i saw like two or three lemonade stands actually this weekend so um the kids are the kids are grinding man. they are so good entrepreneur for mindset and school supplies i'm assuming they're expensive dude i bet they are so yeah no no they gotta you gotta be a young entrepreneur i had a lemonade stand actually i'm, I'm <laughs> it's just me and alex if nobody could tell by now but <laughs> <laughs> I had a lemonade stand out here, I remember back in the day, and you know, it was good for like 10, 15 bucks a day. People walking down to the beach, I'd intercept them, you know, you'd get a good amount of change out of that. And I mean, I don't even want to go back to school shopping because I'd be so scared at the prices. Because I remember when I go back to school shopping, you could get everything you needed for like $15. Absolutely, you could. Like three binders, a banger pencil set and case, like... Literally anything for fifteen dollars. Now I don't think you can get anything for like any of that for like fifty bucks. <laughs> Dude, the binders were always the absolute worst to get. I swear, there was nothing worse to get to get than the binders. I absolutely because you didn't want them to be too clunky, and you couldn't let anybody else do the shopping for you because if they came home with like one of those, I would I would call it like a lawyer binder, like a giant, like a like one of the ones that fit six hundred pages. It's like I I wanted to fit in my bag, dude. I do not need like this big clunky set. So I feel you. I mean, yeah, after school shopping every like first like week. I'd always pump myself up. I'm like, this is the year that I show like that I'm a serious student. Like I like junior high, like this is like big boy stuff. Now I really got to show everybody what I'm about and I need to like start getting good grades. And you know, like you'd get fired up and then like by week two, you're like, ah, oh, heat, like Monday night football. Like maybe I shouldn't study the night, you know, Tuesday night. It's like, oh, let me play some Madden do this, do that. And the grades just start plummeting. So, I know how it is. Yeah, it's a struggle. And what always did it for me was when you walked into Walmart and the first that you know those first like seven steps in Walmart are seasonal. Like on both sides yeah. of you, it's either Halloween, yeah. Valentine's, but the back to school setup was always when I knew it's time. And I actually I hear that the kids are going back to school like this week now. They're going back to like the young kids are going back to school on the thirty first. I heard that. It's a little uh it's a little American americanized there because i know like the american kids i think they've always started school like late august yeah and we always started like september right so uh not can't say i'm a fan of that but i don't know maybe they end earlier so i don't know yeah maybe hopefully they get it back i would just hate to go to school in august i just 
I feel for the kids out there. But yeah, this is it. Well, I, I know some are like half days on Fridays, dude. So can you imagine grade two like kids half day Fridays? First of all, that's like hell for the parents. I love how like like these schools just act like parents don't work. And it's like, yeah, I'm just going to let these grade twos like just leave at 12 and, you know, whoever can get them, pick them up. Fine. It's like, wow. Like, you know, people work. <laughs> I love taking a stand for the parents, Alex. That's the way to do it, dude. Yeah, dude. No other way around it. Yeah. I respect it. But this is it. This is the end of summer. It's that it's that week. And people who would listen to this would know that it used to really bother me. And I would get down on my luck and be like, well, summer's over. But now I'm just I'm just football mode. And I'm also in the mode where it's like I will extract every day possible out of summer. Like I'm looking at a week here where I don't have to do anything. That's big. I'm gonna extract every day possible out of this week. Like <laughs> summer's actually not over. Exactly. Just enjoy absolutely every minute and hour. Um, but I'm really excited for like when you get out of school because I just can't wait for like when you don't have to get like geared up for September and you're out of there, dude. You're going to love it. You're just going to be euphoric. It's going to be great. Yeah. Well, depending on who you ask, that's like two to six years away. So let's just keep our head down. and That's okay. It'll come. <laughs> Grind away. Yeah. <laughs> let's hope for let's hope for that day and let's hope it's a good time but yeah football oh. right around the corner it's very exciting times i think you know this is the week where we see our final cuts we saw some of those today um and i think well let's start with the trey lance trade because i think that is probably the most interesting thing that happened in the last week and i know that you've been very anti trey lance you've been very vocal about that over your time on this show which I always I connect that draft to this show because we obviously did our first show after that draft for the people who don't remember so I remember all the work that went into that first show because it was a lot of prep like we were pretty nervous about getting that done oh it was a lot of like I was watching like Trey Lance like like, highlight tapes like nobody's business I was watching full on games (laughs) I was probably doing more research than the 49ers did towards Trey Lance Um, but now that he's a Dallas Cowboy I don't my my main takeaway, I know a lot of people have been on like the 49ers have messed all these draft picks up and they still have the best roster in the league. My main takeaway is I would be nervous if I was Brock Purdy because I know he was okay last year, but Kyle Shanahan has never shown an interest in like actually developing a quarterback. I think he's had plenty of chances to do that by now and him just treating the third overall pick like this like i get it you would rather have a pocket guy he's uh, he's a little bit raw he's not your cup of tea but you're not putting any time or effort into developing this quarterback you knew that drafting him they did yeah exactly and they knew that this would happen but you not putting in any time or giving him game time and i get it like you want to play jimmy g you want to win but you also have to see the bigger picture and i i would just if i was brock purdy or something i would be nervous because the first time i make a mistake I know he's going to be looking over his shoulder and looking at Sam Darnold. It's just because everyone on there, unless you're like Fred Warner or or, or Greg George Kittle, um, everyone has like the tightest leash. I mean, we even saw it with like Debo Samuel last year, Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk does something amazing in, in, you know, one week and then the other week he's like gets no snaps. Like it just doesn't make sense. Um, but like I said, he knew that drafting Trey Lance, I think it's obviously just incredibly poor management and to make things worse, worse, I I think like the next 10 guys after Trey Lance are all just like studs, like from guards 
to to linebackers to just cornerbacks i mean it was if you go back and just see it's it's insane um but i just don't understand why i I just don't get why you draft a guy and then not invest any time in him try to develop him i don't know it doesn't make sense and he trade a lot just to get up there to get that pick yeah um so i don't know what you're expecting from a guy coming from north dakota for him to be like what like this polished ready to go um you know i mean coming out of the draft everyone was saying he's super cerebral and everything but i feel like everyone you know comes with that tag and then on trey lance too i mean if, if you can't beat out sam darnold you know and be the second string choice at least i mean that's also really concerning so i think it's just from both parties it's tough i know he's had a you know tough injury history as well but it's just disappointing to see, I think, from both sides. But, but like I said, Kyle Shanahan, he we've seen it with Jimmy Jimmy G, Brock Purdy. He doesn't care. He wants you to do the bare minimum. Shut up. Don't ask any questions. Just do what I tell you to do. Make the simple play, and that's it. Because they have so much talent around that that's what he relies on. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's a fair point that you know we thought adding a, a multi-dimensional quarterback at the time would have changed their offense. It turns out honestly adding McCaffrey changed their offense like it it gave them a real big level of unpredictability I still feel like if they had found a way to put time in and unlock the things that he was supposed to be good at and I know like you say he takes some fault for that he certainly wasn't good in the games he appeared in but he was plagued by injury and availability is an ability in my mind like if you're injured I'm not going to say that you didn't get a fair chance it just unfortunately it's the way that things work it'd be great if everybody could play an equal amount of games but you need to be available he hasn't been available and i think i guess if you shift to the perspective from dallas i just i have a really hard time understanding this i mean i I get it if i'm like cleveland or i'm minnesota and i don't have a backup quarterback but it seems like this was just kind of a Jerry Jones, like no huddle offense. Like I'm calling the shots. Don't, I think his full quote was once we knew he was available, we weren't going to get off the phone, which I mean, maybe called that. I'm not a Dak guy, but maybe let him know. That would be my take. I, I don't know what the like you, you, Dak has an enormous contract. Um, your backup quarterback played really well when Dak was out. So how do you exactly plan on because the whole thing was the 49ers did not develop Trey Lance. So how exactly are the Cowboys going to develop Trey Lance? This doesn't make sense. I don't see him. I I don't like there's no way he's beating out Cooper Rush like Cooper Rush is t- like locked in at number 2. Um so I I don't understand what this means from Dallas. But I don't know Jerry Jones is just kind of that guy though. He I you know lost Zeke. Let me get another like kind of flashy name trey lance former third overall pick you know a lot of news and stories behind him so let's just get him into the building but um yeah i I do not like it from dallas's point of view it's not that they like gave up a pick it's just kind of like i mean what even cooper rush like what's cooper rush supposed to think like forget dak it's like i literally like kept you guys in the playoffs last year and you're bringing trey lance why sorry you know? Yeah, exactly. And I asked Adam about this, and he's like, "Well, Cooper Rush is going to leave for the money." It's like, dude, you <laughs> like that's a next year problem. You don't need to get a guy now to do it. And like you exactly. said, the guy needs the guy hasn't played enough. So if 
the best thing for him would have been to go to a team like Arizona or Tampa Bay that's going to be bad and you can make mistakes yeah. and it doesn't matter. Like go up, like do whatever you want to do. Like try try to play as many games as you can. Try to do what you can. Show what you can do. And then I don't know if they like you, they like you. Great if you don't. Why are the Why are the Falcons not making this trade? That's what I'm saying. I don't understand why like, somebody. What you're scared you're going to hurt Desmond Ritter's feelings. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's exactly like New Orleans. Why isn't New Orleans in there? Like, you, I know you just paid Derek Carr, but yeah. you should still be like open. Well, you'd to make other... his wife mad. <laughs> Fair point. Fair <laughs> point. He would probably have to release another statement about how much it hurt to find out the news. <laughs> but <laughs> I, yeah. I just, I, I don't understand it from anybody's perspective because I feel like there should have been a home for him that wasn't Dallas. Um, and I don't understand why Dallas is really that interested. But anyway. Exactly. An interesting story, nonetheless. And I, I saw all those people who said, what if they just took Mac Jones? I honestly feel like I, I'm tired of hearing, what if the 49ers took Mac Jones or Justin Fields? Because the same thing would have happened to them. The first time they made a mistake or the first time they put some doubt in his head, he would have replaced him. And I'm I'm not m- making fun of the guy. He's a top five coach in the NFL, period. But this is the way he operates. I think it's a little bit wild and I think sometimes it's going to come back to really bite him like like this did but yeah yeah I agree um in other news there was the cutdowns today which I did enjoy I got a good kick out of the Cardinals releasing Cole McCoy and then the coach coming out and saying we're, we're gaining a competitive advantage by not naming our number one quarterback that was sick no plan is the best plan <laughs> inventing a new strategy like nobody's ever thought of this and it's going to give me a competitive advantage for my week one showdown with the commanders is raw. Well, I forget which team was it last year that was kind of doing a QB roulette. Was it the Steelers or who, or who was it? So like, Oh, I don't I forget which team it was last year, but it was, a, there was a team for sure. I don't know. Maybe the jets or, or a team that was just like, yeah, we can start anybody having any given night. And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> might have been the Patriots. I don't know. The, I think you're right. There was a team last year that was doing that. And I, I love that the Cardinals are treating this like the sixth man. It's like, who's going to be the first one off the bench? Like, it could be anybody on any given night. That's the way to do it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We want to increase the amount of uh, research and, and tape hours that the other team has to do. And that's our competitive advantage for the season because we can't win any other way. We don't have any other competitive advantage. We are heavily relying on the act of surprise to, to knock the opponent exactly. off their feet. That's what we're looking for this season mm. out of the out of the Cardinals. So respect. I, I think it's innovative. Um, I also like the Browns cutting the fourth round pick kicker who – last week posted his highlights at halftime um i i think that this should be a lesson to every team that no matter how good a kicker is in college maybe don't take him before like the sixth round because everybody we've seen get taken early like that the raiders kicker who's really good carlson right he went like round like three to the packers right and then they cut him and then he yeah. goes and like get, lands under or Vikings, I think. Yeah, Vikings. That's what it was. He was with the Vikings, but but that's the thing. Like no, they're very talented. So they'll like land back on their feet. So he's like, like Roberto like, Aguayo. <laughs> he landed on his feet. <laughs> Shout out Roberto Aguayo. The people forget Roberto Aguayo. <laughs> he's the one exception. He's the little hair in the soup. So. <laughs> 
and he's literally the like highest I think draft pick for a kicker like of all time. <laughs> they thought they drafted Adam Vinatieri when they got him. It was like a mid second rounder. I remember exactly. it well. But the, oh, if you're a kicker, God. you can't have these pressures on you, especially in like Cleveland and stuff where you get recognized. Like let this guy sort of trickle out. He'll be a good kicker somewhere else. But this should be the final lesson: never take a kicker that high. Hundred percent. Yeah, and then uh, I do. Also, I did get a kick out of Matt Stafford, um, who this is like a pure, this is something that happens to like the veteran quarterbacks who like Derek Carr, this happens to Derek Carr, whose wife talks on his behalf. Kelly Stafford saying that Matt Stafford was having a hard time connecting with his teammates. So he had to get the equipment staff to print him out a Facebook with all like the players names and faces that he could study. Um, this is the most alarming thing I think I've read in quite a while, and I, I'm loving my Rams underpick as we speak. It's looking tough. I don't know what happened to him um, last year because I, I like. I guess maybe he had, you know, he had like OBJ and some of these other guys last year, but or one of the year they won the Super Bowl. But like, damn, like I kind of don't get what's so hard to like remember, you know your top three like wideouts, you know what I mean? Or you're like running back who's the same as the last two years, you know? Um, but that, that is very alarming um, that he has to have a, uh, a legit like Facebook, not the app, like an actual <laughs> Facebook. Um, that's just like kindergarten vibes to me. Very much like, so. Damn. Like maybe it was a kid's thing though, because he's got a lot of kids. Maybe they like, they're teaching him. They're like, we know Odell from Madden. Like this is Odell. Like, let's show you his profile. He's mm -hmm. five foot 11, but now they're yeah. tasked with like Van Jefferson. And it's like heat. We don't know anything about this guy, dad. He doesn't even have a face on Madden. So wow. we can't show you him. Yeah. Like you're going to need to do this on your own. <laughs> could be, could be. So that that's a bit of a tough one. I hope Adams loving his Rams overpick though. Is the only guy who picked the Rams to make the playoffs. I think this year, I think that that was a really shrewd move. So respect to him. And Kirk Cousins' new mustache is the last thing that's going on. I mean, this is just kind of a heat check. It's kind of been the summer of Kirk. Um, I'm gonna be honest, not. I'm not a Kirk guy. I'm actually out on Kirk again. Seeing all the positive Kirk stuff makes me remember all the negative Kirk stuff. And now I'm actually a truther that he's actually not good. And I'm I'm going to be right about that because I have been right for the last 10 years about it. But it this is a heat check. So kind of respect to him. He's had a great summer. I mean, I think he's just like, I think he's maybe been doing too much like Twitter and Instagram creeping that, you know, he, he saw people were like, oh, hey, like, we kind of like Kirk from that Netflix documentary. Like he's kind of a likable guy. And now he thinks like anything he does is like cool. Like, cause like, you know, he had the chain thing on the airplane that he was doing and the, you know, um, so now he thinks that anything he touches turns into gold. And it's like, all right, I, I kind of don't like it. It's a little like too much for me because it's not like, cause that's going to be the, f like, he's just going to look like an idiot when they're like owned to, to start the year. You know what I mean? Like he's going to shave that thing off so fast. So I, yeah, I don't really like it. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think he's he's got to come back down to earth at some point here. Let's let's get an accelerator on that, um, which is good. But we're close. It's almost that time. I know, you know, next week we've got our last preview in the NFC East. Today we're doing the AFC West, which is good because it's a team 
in here that you're very familiar with and a team that you cheer on. And you know what? Why don't we just do them first? Let's get it out the way with the Las Vegas Raiders, who have had a pretty exciting preseason, I would say. And they obviously signed Josh Jacobs this week. So why don't we start there? It was one year, $12 million, So it's basically just the franchise tag. But how much of a impact do you think he has on this team's potential success? Because you're feeling pretty lukewarm about them this year, from what I can tell. I am pretty lukewarm. I got to be honest because uh, I don't know. I just think he had a just a career year last year that I think is going to be really hard to replicate. Like, I mean, they put him as the like the twelfth best NFL player on the on an NFL top one hundred. So, I I don't agree with that. Um, the running backs are very shaky, and I mean, look, like we have some talented pieces, which is the thing. I mean, you have a top wide out in Devontae Adams and a and a and a top defensive player in uh in Max Crosby and you know like I think there's like sparkles of talent around on the team and on the roster but I think you know overall it's not enough I think I think McDaniels is is not a good enough coach I think this whole like Garoppolo thing thinking they're gonna like reconnect it's like at the end of the day like Bill was really calling the shots I think and kind of same thing in um in San Francisco it's like Shanahan is probably one of the top five coaches of the last decade like jimmy g was coached by you know arguably the two best coaches of the last decade um and now he's gonna come and play under mcdaniels and you're just gonna expect the same level you know that i mean jimmy g hasn't you know risen to enormous heights but you're still expecting like jimmy g to perform how he performed in new england and and uh san francisco and i i don't know i think it's a little tough to replicate hasn't had a really good preseason Jimmy G I mean the talks really just been Aiden O'Connell like everyone's freaking out about Aiden O'Connell guy's got an absolute cannon of an arm um you know say he's pretty smart but like I said they kind of call all the quarterback draft picks kind of like smart and cerebral so take that with a grain of salt but he does have an absolute cannon of an arm so I mean I don't know we'll see how short of a leash they have with Jimmy G or how short of a leash his knees give him um we'll see how that how how far that gets us but I don't know. It's tough. I I think, you know, Chargers and, and the Broncos are, I think they're going to be better just with the coaching and Chiefs are the Chiefs. So um, I feel like I'm I'm definitely less optimistic than I was last year. Yeah. And you were pretty optimistic last year. If, if we remember, I yeah. think you might have even said the words, you know, AFC West champions. I think that was something that you might, I might have, I might have uttered that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's never a situation you want to be in a year later looking back at it. But I know. Yeah. Like six and eleven record, I I understand that. The year before, we had predicted a bit of a downfall. I think it was me, Owen, and Adam who said under because the I think you were seven and two in one score games. You made a lot of long putts to make the playoffs. You lost that playoff game, which was close, but Derek Carr had a career year. And I think when you look back yeah. at last year, six and eleven, there was some unlucky stuff, and we can get into that. But Derek Carr had the best weapons of his career and had the worst season. And I think there's two ways you could explain that one Derek Carr is washed up and the Saints made a mistake by paying him which I would agree with to some extent or Mm -hmm. Josh McDaniels is just not a capable NFL head coach which I think is also a very logical explanation 100% so which one would you lean more towards being the truth about why they were bad last year do you think it's a combination of the two I'd once again, and I know it's easy, but I'd, I almost feel like I'd lean against, against um, or, or towards the coach. Just because, I don't know, I still think you have some really like good star players that 
I mean, why would like like Derek Carr was not really thrown to Devontae Adams, you know what I mean? Why like Josh Jacobs was playing in the Hall of Fame game last year. Just cause why? Just because McDaniels wanted to, like you said, make a make an example out of him or something, or, or have a reason to cut him before before the season started. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like this guy's like miss like misjudges a lot of things. Um, our defense sucks. Like we have a, I think we have the worst uh, secondary in the NFL. Yes. Like I, like I don't know if you want any 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 guy on the Raiders secondary actually playing for your team. Like who are you going like saying, wow, I wish that guy was on my team. Nobody. I mean, they signed up a, a washed up Mark, Marcus Peters, Tyree Wilson. I don't know. They drafted a guy who's got like question marks about his health. I think he's got like foot issues. And he hasn't played since like a football game since like November. I mean, I don't know what to expect there. I mean, if he turns out to be great, that's awesome because you got him and Max Crosby going at you. That'd be sick. But um, I just think that there hasn't really been an improvement since he's come. So, and that's the most concerning thing for me. Like, why? How is the defense not improved? I know he's an offensive guy, but even the offense wasn't like buzzing last year. And you brought in Devontae Adams. How, why is their offense not buzzing with Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, who's in some people's minds a top running back in the nfl so again like i said i i I don't know i hope jimmy g's good but he kind of couldn't really figure it out with Derek carr i know there's a familiarity with jimmy g but let's not kid ourselves he's not he's not bill belichick or or uh shanahan here so no and i think that the other thing that needs to be there's a lot of things we could go over with the Raiders, but the the one thing that really needs to be emphasized is they play the second hardest schedule in the league this year. It's not going to be, an, well, and it's not going to be an easy season. Which I don't think this coach is very good. I don't love the quarterback situation. We could talk about Aiden O'Connell later because that's an interesting side plot to this. But I don't think the coach is good. I don't think the quarterback can stay on the field. And I think that everything that you said about why aren't there more results for this roster being pretty decent is really valid. In 2021, the secondary, there wasn't a lot of difference from 21 to 22, but this pass rush in 2021 was top 10, top five in the league, and last year it was bottom five. That, you know, that obviously bleeds into the secondary. Yeah, Max Crosby. Yeah, exactly. You should be way better than that, and that bleeds into the secondary because you have way more time to throw the ball. So I have a lot of problems with with this coach and they brought back both the coordinators the over under six and a half and I don't want to skip to the thing but I get they have all this talent I get that they're going for a familiarity but there's also a level that I don't think that the familiarity is going to work I read that on early downs last year Derek Carr's average pass attempt was nine yards and Jimmy G is the complete opposite of that his average was like four you're asking a guy to do something completely different to what he's comfortable doing and what he had success doing in San Francisco. I just, I I think there's a disconnect here, and I think it's mostly from management and from the coaching to the roster because I have no problems with a lot of the guys on the roster, like you said. I mean, you paid a lot to get Devontae Adams, and like you said, you're asking Jimmy G to, what, throw like 35-yard bombs to, to Devontae Adams, and Jimmy G's not accurate in that department. You know what I mean? And you're, I don't know, like we're just going to have to change his philosophy or change our philosophy with how we play football. Um, and I need and I need more results. I think, I mean, Max Crosby is definitely one of the gems we've found. But besides him, who's who's this like deep 
pick that we found that, you know, turned out to be great. We've whiffed on so many first round picks. It's not even funny. And I don't know. They just, they just got to take it more seriously, man. I don't, I don't know how you can go into the secondary feeling good about yourself. I mean, you're just going to ask a lot again of Max Crosby. And you're going to ask a lot of Tyree Wilson. And those are guys that, I mean, I like Tyree Wilson. He looks huge. And I mean, he's going to be playing with Max Crosby. He's going to learn a lot of things. But I just think there needs to be more cohesiveness. The, the management needs to find, you know, better. You just got to find better guys in the draft, man. You can't keep whiffing on. You gotta keep, you gotta hit on some fourth, fifth, sixth round picks. But you can't do that if you can't even get your first round pick. That's what I was gonna say. You gotta. You say fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds. I say fourth, fifth, and sixth overall. They've had all those picks and they've messed it up. And I know it's been different regimes, but Alex Leatherwood, Cleveland Farrell, uh, Abram, like there's a lot. There's a lot. So yeah, I'm with you, and I think you know I get that they've sort of. They have done a little bit of shuffling of the deck chairs, I guess you could say, like Jacoby Myers in, Darren Waller out. They drafted Michael Mayer. Like these are all, you know, interesting moves, but they're not really changing the foundation of the team. So I like the under on six and a half. I I don't know where you land, and well, I, I'm 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 gonna take the under. Yeah, I had a feeling it was yeah. going that way, which is tough. Just because, like, nothing they've done this year has wowed me. Nothing has made me think, you know, that we're going to be better. And, and this is, like, Ziegler, too. This isn't just McDaniels. Like, Ziegler is also, you know, just bringing in all these Patriots guys, which is, like, uh, honestly a joke. Like, I can't believe Brandon Bolden and, and Jakob Johnson are, like, why are they on the team? That just doesn't make sense. Um, so that that's why I'm going under very tough schedule. The chances that Jimmy, what are the chances that Jimmy G outplays what Carr was doing in the last 10 years? Low, I would say. Because that's what you need to happen if you want to make it deep. Because we've never really made it deep with Derek Carr. But the, like you said, but the chances that uh, Jimmy G outplays Derek Carr are very low. And what else has really changed around the team? Nothing besides the quarterback in a new system. And the worst part is, is and it's, crazy all my teams are like this the raptors the flames um the raiders and i mean even the jays are just kind of like where are we going right now the raiders where are we going because we have enough like of those pieces like i mentioned Devonte adams um max crosby josh jacobs that i don't think they're going to be bad enough to get a top five pick but they're obviously not you know they're not going to be playing any title games yeah so it's just super frustrating. Oh, I I would be very fed up if I was you because this has been consistent. Um, it's just, it, I, I think the most interesting thing and maybe the most optimistic thing we could say is that this Aiden O'Connell thing is actually very interesting to me. That, you know, this doesn't, you know, we could say, I'm sure there's been examples of quarterbacks in the past who've come into preseason games and look good. Usually not this good. Usually if you're playing this well in a preseason game, I like to think the preseason means something, at least a little bit. And I agree. I think that this is a really positive development. If he can, because honestly, Jimmy G is not staying on the field for 16 games. You're going to see him at some point. And I think if you can, if you could find something here, that would be a huge win going into next season. But having said that, you don't want to be in the situation where you're looking at another Derek Carr. Where like he could be good, but it's just Derek Carr again, and then you're just building again on another mediocre quarterback. I just think like Devontae Adams is. And I know I've mentioned his name a lot, but I don't 
know how much longer he has, and we didn't bring him in to run five-yard curls. Yeah. And what makes me – like, the good thing about Aiden O'Connell is, is the guy looks pretty accurate and looks like he can bomb that ball. The chances that we see Aiden O'Connell are honestly 100% because, like you said, I don't think Jimmy G is surviving 16 games. So I'm excited, and hopefully, you know, he, he plays well enough that he can kind of run away with it. And the good thing is that Jimmy G literally doesn't care if he loses his starting job. Like we've seen, like in San Francisco, he was having a great time not starting games. Yeah. So like he doesn't care. Aiden Connell will be supported either way, um, which is good. Like it's not going to be a Tannehill situation or something where it's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to show like Malik Willis the ropes or Will Let Jeans the ropes, you know. But um, yeah, I'm. I'm. Not, that's the only you know optimism I do have is Aiden O'Connell. I'd love to see him start a few games. Yeah, and that's a good note to end on. But unfortunately, I have to because the Raiders stats from last season are low-key fascinating i just want to give you these and then we can talk about the next team but the raiders were the biggest underachievers by pythagorean wins they should have went eight and nine they they went six and eleven now the reason the reason why they should have won more games is they actually set an nfl record um most double-digit halftime leads blown in nfl history uh, they lost five yep. games when they were up by seven or more at half. They played in five games where they were up by 10 or more at half. They lost four. So they were one and four in games that they led by 10 or more at half. The rest of the NFL was 84 and nine in, <laughs> in games that they led by 10 or more at half. They also had uh, a losing record in games that they led by 13 points or more, three and four. So you know, it can't get much worse than that. That is pretty much torture. So there you go. Maybe that yeah. is a positive note to end on. Um, speaking of nightmares last seasons, the uh, the Denver Broncos are in this division, which what, what an interesting bunch this offseason. They made the least draft picks because they obviously uh, are still dishing, Have not. <laughs> yeah, dishing them out for Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. And Sean Payton is obviously the headliner. I think... You know, we got to talk about this a little bit when it happened, but the uh, the comments that, that he had made towards the Jets and Nate Hackett, um, I personally had an issue with those, but there was also people who were saying that he's doing that to take the heat off Russ. Where do you stand on that? I think the last thing the Broncos need is more attention. Like, there was already too much attention on them, and I get maybe, like, what you're saying is, like, he's trying to take the heat off Russ, but he just brought... He brought the equal amount of heat on the Denver Broncos is, you know, the end of the story. doesn't matter if they're talking about Russell Wilson or the coach. Um, you know, pro- he thinks he can probably handle the heat better than Russell can. So that's maybe why he's doing it. But I just think the last thing the Broncos needed was more attention and more heat after the disaster of a season they had last year. Um, because there already was enough talk just as well as it was. Because you got this, you know, you got Sean Payton coming in. How is Russell Wilson going to rebound? And then you say that stuff about Nate Hackett. And, you know, Sean Payton, like, he's good coach, but all right, like, you won the Super Bowl. I understand that. But, yeah, I mean, he never made it back, right? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> let's take it easy here. Like, I mean, there's a lot of lot of really good coaches that have won the one Super Bowl. So, um, I think he just got to tone it down a bit there. I think you nailed it. I think he brought the equal amount of attention on to Denver that they were – the attention they didn't need. And he said, you look at us – I think he said in his comments, you look at us, we're staying out of the headlines. That – put a huge target on their back and did the opposite of what he said they were doing i think he is at a point in his career where i think he would have been happy to 
what? It seemed to me like he was pretty much happy to not take this job. If I'm remembering correctly, oh, yeah. back then, uh, into March, when it seemed like he was just going to do another year Fox, and the dollar figure got so high that he couldn't turn it down. I it was a Saudi situation. It was it was a Saudi Arabian. League. The Denver Broncos have Saudi money, dude. <laughs> It's the Saudi League Broncos. That's the way to look at it because they were just yes. like, all right, we're just going to make this problem go away. First round pick, $20 million a year, done. Um, and I'm not going to question a guy's commitment, but when I see, you know, a 60-year-old coach with, I don't know, bong videos on the internet coming out this offseason, I would tend to suggest yeah. that I think he's pretty happy to not take this as seriously as he was taking the Saints. Just, Just my opinion. I I hundred percent agree, and there's, you know, it could be maybe even worse than it was last year, and we could be going. You know what? Maybe they should have kept back it because, <laughs> like you said, bong videos of a coach is that's how do you feel about like, you know, you're you're a rookie or something, or you know, you're somewhat you're Javante Williams, you know, you tore your ACL, you're trying to come back, you're, you're trying you're Russell Wilson, like any of these guys, like it was embarrassing last year what happened, you know, and you're trying to be serious, you're trying to build a culture. And you've got your coach talking crazy. Someone who's supposed to be a leader. You paid a lot of money for it. Ripping bong videos. Showing up to like every event. I don't know. I'd, I'd want, yeah, you know, I'd want my coach to take it a little more seriously. And it's, I mean, I'd feel a certain type of way if I saw my coach not really taking it seriously, you know? Yeah. So. And I think, you know, this is how it looks from the outside, at least. We don't know what the situation is in the building, which it could be, you know, it could be different. I will also say that I follow Wayne Gretzky on Instagram, and let's just say there's no shortage of times that Sean Payton was hitting the links with Wayne this summer. Let's just say that. Oh. <laughs> but like you said, last season was so embarrassing that I think there should have been a little more emphasis on laying low and staying out of the headlines this offseason, which they failed to do. Now, I think the best thing I could say is Russell Wilson probably did that, though. There wasn't a lot of Russell Wilson did, stuff yeah. this summer, which last summer was every week there was something. He he looks to be in better shape to me. I think that yeah. last year he was terrible. It was career lows and everything. He deserves a huge amount of blame for everything that went wrong. Is it crazy to say that he's a little bit undervalued coming into this season? I don't think it is. I think that it's very possible that he has a better season. I, I think if you're looking at this team and saying there's no way they can get worse, that's a good thing. He'd be a big part of that. So I I do think there's a roadmap to success. As negative as we were being, I I think there's a chance they could be pretty good still. My my question is, though, like when you look, at the offense I just because Jerry Judy just looks like he can't ever stay healthy Tim Patrick I mean I think his career is over um he just keeps getting injured I mean they have Cortland Sutton Javante Williams is coming off uh, a torn ACL from last year and those guys typically don't rebound in the first year back from an ACL injury so I mean you'd probably need to have some guys you know step up and it's asking a lot from Russell Wilson. So, I mean, good credit to him if he can, you know, show up and just be the reason that he, like, he drags the Broncos to a respectable record. Good for him. But, I, I you know, it's going to, they're going to need a lot from Russell Wilson, I think, this year to kind of carry this offense. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it's, you know, it's possible. I wouldn't say it's likely, but it's possible that he could do that. They do have new. Uh, offensive and defensive coordinators. I know Vance Joseph is back as their defensive coordinator. He used to be their head coach, which is a little bit wild. And this is a defense that was 
the best defense in the NFL last season with a big caveat for the first 14 weeks. They were unbelievable in the first 14 weeks. They were doing stuff that no team had ever done before. And then in the last three weeks, I think there's a lot of theories about this, but they were so tired of doing so much work and keeping them in every game that they just completely loosened the grips. They were the worst defense in the league the last three weeks, which it's understandable. The offense was literally the worst offense, I think, with the best personnel that I've ever seen. It was the biggest underachievement, I think, probably in my life watching football. Um, So it can't get worse, I guess, is the moral of the story. But maybe it could. They did bring in some new guys to the offensive line. Russell Wilson was sacked a lot last year. They paid a lot of money to get Mike McGlinchey from San Francisco and a couple more guys. And like you said, the weapons are not fantastic, and they really have had a hard time keeping guys healthy the last few years. But... You know, maybe there is a little bit of a roadmap to a better season offensively with those additions to the offensive line. Lots of guys gone off the roster. It's it's still a pretty, you know, it's a challenging schedule. It's the 10th most difficult, which is tough because they had a really easy schedule last year that they just completely botched. I mean, they were, they had everything going for them last year and they just puked all over it. So um, I guess an interesting stat would be that they're 35-4 and four in home games the first two weeks of the season since 1990, and they have uh, both their first two games at home this year. So that's a win. Um, <laughs> they got the Raiders week one in Denver, which is, oh, my God. That's a win. That's like a three-pick Jimmy G banger. <laughs> They win like uh like eighty percent of their first two games or first two games that are at home. Doesn't matter if it's like week one or week two. It could be you know week three and four. They win like eighty percent just because guys aren't their their cardio isn't up to that standard just yet in the first first few weeks of the season. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. and that's going to be a big bonus for them. They do have the second longest drought in the playoffs, and I think there's a wow decent amount of second uh, longest. Wow. I wouldn't have thought that they'd be sacked. It's crazy. They haven't been there since they won the Super Bowl, which, I mean, you, wow. you still make that trade 10 times out of 10. I don't care how bad the last couple of years oh, yeah. were. You, they had some really good seasons before that. So it's it's certainly been a while. Their over-under is 8.5. I, I have a lot of back and forth on this. <laughs> it's a little high for me, if I'm going to be honest. Um, yeah, I'm going to go under for that. I didn't expect it to be that high. I, I don't know. Personally, I just didn't think it'd be at eight and a half. Like nine wins? Ooh, I don't know. I think that they'll probably be eight or lower. And I I think they'll have a better season. But I just, I can't shake the feeling that this is the Saudi League Broncos. I think you summed it up perfectly. I think that there <laughs> there is a chance that these guys are on mail-in time. Well, I mean, you could have a good season in your books and you know have seven wins but you know all your other losses were like three point gains yeah that you like maybe lost in the in the minute in the last minute or something you know what i mean like the chargers were like that for a bunch of years and they'd finish like you know eight eight wins seven wins like oh well like if you really look though they did have a pretty decent season so you know i'm not saying they can't have a good season but i just think would you say eight and a half like nine wins is a lot for me yeah, so. and you know, you say that about Chargers. Same thing can be said about Denver. They had two three, uh, two one point losses, three three point losses, and nine of their twelve losses were, were by seven or less. Like, yeah, they were in every game because of their defense. They just could not move the ball forward. Yeah. So, yeah, I 
I tend to see an under here, which is, if not now, then when is my question for them, but that's a question for a later day. Um, Let's do Kansas City. There's not much you can really say about Kansas City. It's a little bit like the Golden State Warriors, in my opinion. Like, it gets a little boring to be this good, which... I mean, I say that, but also, if you remember the start of last year, this year they're six to one to win the Super Bowl. That's the best odds in the league, obviously. Last year they were ten to one, um, and it was because they didn't have Hill and they played the hardest schedule in the league. And I think they started off bad. Remember? Yeah, and you, everyone was freaking out. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, who are they going to throw to? Um, I think Adam even picked him to miss the playoffs, if I'm remembering correctly, which, I mean, he had a woeful season. Oh, he had a woeful season last year. Um, but I, there was a lot of people who had a lot of concerns about Kansas City last year, and, you know, they proved everybody wrong. They won the Super Bowl again. Like, you know, what's the limit here? Their over-under is 11 and a half. What? <laughs> what? Like, now I'm supposed to pick an under because they lost MVS? Oh, sorry, Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, that's right. Or and they're having con- they're having contract issues with uh, Chris Jones, I think. Right? That's right. He he's threatening to hold out. But that stuff's probably going to get resolved. Not going to lie. So, um, it's just that. See, the difference is that they hit on those mid mid round picks. I feel like you know Kadarius Tony could be really good for them. He was pretty good when 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 they brought him in. Just any guy can step up. I could just see any of these guys being really important players. Sky Moore, they still have Travis Kelsey. Doesn't matter. They cook like when your quarterback and coach are that good. It kind of you just got to be in the right spot at the right time. Home's gonna find you, and you just kind of gotta catch the ball. You know what I mean? Just because their offense is that good, it's that hard to keep up with. So when I look at the Chiefs, I'm not really worried about you know the what, how they look on paper. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think. We say that, but at what point does receivers matter? Because this is this is the worst receivers in the league. I mean, if you really look at it, like Rasheed Rice, yeah. Justin Watson, Sky Moore, like those are the top. Like, at what point does it matter? Because I feel like it, it, this is, I get it. Like Juju's a name, MVS is a name. Their production wasn't really there last year. <laughs> this is like terrible. If they can do it with this, they can do it with anything. Okay, but how much different, though, is it from last year? Because last year they just had Juju, right? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, I it was bad on paper last year, and they won the freaking Super Bowl. Only difference this year, if I'm not wrong, is that they don't have Juju. So, I mean, it's all good to me. I don't see an issue with it. <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But, it, like, for me, like, as I'm, I'm conditioned to just look at this depth chart and be like, wow, that is, like, rancid receivers. But- oh, yeah. Anything can happen. You you make a good point. I, I know that they have also lost. Well, obviously they've also lost Eric Bieniemy, who went to Washington, which is a good. We'll talk about Washington next week with FJ. I'm actually looking forward to asking him some questions about that. They replaced him with Matt Nagy, who we know well from Bears fame, of course. Yeah. And you know they did a little bit of shuffling, like they paid a lot of money to get Juwan Taylor from I think it was Jacksonville, but they let go of Orlando Brown, so that's kind of like a lateral in and out. Um, they drafted Rasheed Rice, who I mentioned. They drafted to an end the over-under is 11 and a half and I mean there's just never been a better start to a career than what we've seen from Mahomes and it's a hall of fame career already it, it literally five years five AFC championship games five AFC West titles five 12 win seasons five Pro Bowls two Super Bowls two Super Bowl MVPs two MVPs 80 starts he's lost twice by more than seven points 
<laughs> like that sounds fake. Like when Brady was doing his stuff, I was like, okay, I don't know if there's anyone that's going to come close. And, you know, maybe he doesn't get close in terms of Super Bowls to Brady. But, I mean, this guy's already like just one of the goats already. I mean, yeah. five years in, and he's got another 10 years to go. Maybe more. Like, maybe more. So, it's it's incredible to watch. And I'm a, I'm a Pat Mahomes guy, that's for sure. I absolutely agree with you. And I came into this expecting to take an under because I think the AFC is impossible. And I think there's so many good teams. But how can you read those numbers and say under? Like, you just... I agree. You can't do it. It's 11 and a half. I've got to slide and over. I guess the only other thing I could say about this is Kelsey is 34. At some point, he's going to have to tumble down a hill, no? And and that would be pretty catastrophic for them, I think. Absolutely. That would be... Uh, but, hey, I'm counting that, that's, that, that this isn't the year that, that happens. So That would be probably the only roadmap to, like, nine wins. He would have to go out, it, it, obviously excluding Mahomes getting hurt. Kelsey would have to go out. The Chris Jones holdout would have to happen, and they would that would have to be the case to to take a like a two or three game under. I agree. Yeah, because those guys are super key. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And lastly, Los Angeles Chargers, who last year, you know, stop me if you've heard this before, but were plagued by injuries and in coaching. I it, it, we have the same oh, conversation really? about the Los Angeles Chargers. Every single summer, it's actually. Like, I mean, hey, they the, the fans could just listen to our uh, last year review of the Chargers, and not much, <laughs> not much would have changed. No, nothing at all would have changed. It's literally just the same report. They've done some moves. They've made brought in some names that are flashy and getting some fantasy attention. And we can sit here all day and read off the numbers about how they blew a twenty-eight to nothing lead in a playoff game and how they played the easiest schedule in the league. They only played six teams that went over 500, and they somehow went 1-5 and five in those games. Um, we could do all that. We could sit here and talk about how Herbert had a rib injury and Keenan Allen missed a bunch of times. So did Mike Williams. So did Eckler. So did Rashawn Slater. Their over-under is 9.5, and, and I'm sitting here again, and I'm somehow telling myself that if the Chargers can put it together, I like an over. <laughs> Oh, you're you're right with that. You're right with that because uh, there's something about this team where you're like, why? Like, like, you guys should get be getting like ten wins this year, no problem. They just can't. Um, and you know what? It, the thing with me is when people, Keenan Allen's a great player, but people act like he's Jamar Chase or son. <laughs> but Justin Gerbert, Justin Gerbert, Justin Herbert has Keenan Allen. Okay, like he's had him his whole career, and they and they haven't gotten more than like 10, 11 wins. <laughs> so, like, I mean, he's still there, and he's still a year older. And I mean, he was injured last year. So, um, with the Chargers, I can't trust these guys anymore. So I'm gonna have to go under. <laughs> I I get I hundred percent understand why you would go over, but I'd ha- I have to go under with these guys because these guys are gonna. I mean, what? Let's look at their schedule here. Like, it's it's sixth hardest. It's tough. They got Bears week eight, and they could absolutely lose that game. It's a home game too, and I would not be shocked if they lost to the Bears at home. Well, here's the best way to illustrate that. Last year they beat. How many teams do you think they beat by more than six? 
like three? Yeah, exactly. Three. And here's the, here's the three teams. Uh, the Davis Mills Texans, the Nick Foles Colts, and the Baker Mayfield Rams. Wow. You're going to be playing some serious-ass teams. I'm not even talking intra-division. I mean, not that the Broncos and Raiders are good. I mean, you're playing the Chiefs <laughs> twice. That's already a disaster. Um, but, like, you've got the Bills. You've got the Ravens. Um, you've got the Cowboys. Like, Jets. Some people think the Jets are going to be good. Some people think um, some people think the Lions are going to be good. Like, you're not going to be playing a lot of those teams, like you said, and having a chance to only beat them by what? Yeah, uh, by six. I don't know what it is with them. I don't know if it's the execution, like the play call. Like, it, it's just as much as I want to pin it on the coach. I just feel like it's like like a team culture thing. Like it's uh, disgusting. Yeah. I agree with that. I do think the coach is a moron, but I agree with you that I think the team culture has something to do with this. I think the positive you could say is that uh, they have brought in Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator this year. I think that's a huge yeah. plus because if this schedule gets in the way of success, they'll just have a you know a head coach level guy seemingly waiting to take that job. And the stuff he did with Dallas and reinventing Dak a little bit the last few years and with their red zone offense... Uh, I think it's there's no way to understate how big that is considering how poor their play calling was the last few years. I think he's going to find a way to maximize that offense, which is part of the reason I like the over. And I know we you know we make fun of Keenan Allen for never being out there, but this Quentin Johnson that they drafted does seem like he's you know a real difference maker when he's on the field, which you could say about all their receivers, but it does seem like he really could have a huge impact for them. And like you said, I always feel like Keenan Allen's needed some more help because he's good. But he's not – it's like, okay, if we have Jamar Chase, we literally don't need anybody else type good. You know what I mean? Like, he's good, but I still think he needs another threat so that, you know, you're not just pinning your best best, uh, cornerback on him all game, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I do agree the one positive is, yeah, for sure, Kellen Moore coming in, I think that's great. Um, Not only from offensive calling play – offensive calling duties – um, hopefully we'll see a lot less like going for it on fourth and eight on our own 25 um, from the Chargers. <laughs> um, but also the fact, like, I don't know. I don't know how short uh, Staley's leash is. But yeah. like you said, you got a guy right there that can step in, which is great if I'm a Chargers fan. Like, I'm not worried about, you know, coaching in that sense. Yeah, I think you say how short is his leash, I think. It should have been yanked and given to a new dog after a 28 to nothing playoff lead blown loss. But that's neither here nor there. They're a cheap team, and that's the way that they operate. This is also, I guess, the final year of Justin Herbert's rookie contract. I know he's signed his extension and everything a few weeks back. So this is uh, one of the probably the last chance to take a big swing with a bunch of expensive pieces around him because he's going to be costing more the next couple seasons. And the thing is, is how I saw it is that they kind of went all in last year. Mm-hmm. Like they signed uh, um, J.C. Jackson. They signed a bunch of those other guys. Khalil just Mack. gave out huge contracts. Uh, like, I mean, I know they brought in some other guys like this year too, but definitely I don't think they spent as much money as they did last year. And last year was pretty fuck, like pretty bad. Yeah. So obviously this is their last year, and it looks like they kind of already pushed all their chips into the table last year. So mm-hmm. They're going to have to come through this year. And I think, again, you I feel so stupid taking it over, but I'm doing it. And I respect you for having an under. No, I respect you for taking uh, the over. <laughs> they got to do it. It's, it's, it's like happen. an addiction. Because I know it's, it's the, oh, they got to do it this year. 
<laughs> like they gotta do it. I know I've been there. I know, but, but yeah. it, next off season we'll sit here and say the same thing. I'm absolutely sure of it. I also, while we're here, I need to shout out the Boltman photo, which I retweeted. Literally, the funniest thing I think I've ever seen is him paying respects to the junior Seau a bronze bust in Canton. That was just an unbelievable post. If anybody hasn't seen that, go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame Twitter and you'll have like the laugh of your life looking at this picture of Boltman. That's the only thing I want to say with the Chargers. But we got to place these helmets is the last thing we got to do for this division. Um, you nominate what you're thinking for the Raiders. I think that the Raiders are unserious. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. Who else do we have in unserious? Yeah, the Titans. The only teams in poverty are the Texans, Cardinals, and Bucks. And I don't think they're that bad. Yeah. No, they're not that bad. Just because like we talked about the, the, the stars that they do have on the team. But I don't think they're frisky. Because I no. don't think a team's coming into Vegas being like, oh, we really got to watch out. Like, <laughs> No, no, nobody's Jimmy doing G, that. he might throw once for 25. <laughs> and if he hits it, we're screwed. You know? <laughs> Yeah, so, that, and that's what frisky to me is. Frisky is, you know, you could beat anybody, but they're mm-hmm. not that. No, not at all. You, they've, they've beat. They, when was the last time they beat the Chiefs? Like the the Jeff Heath game? Like there one time where I've been saying something about Arrowhead, but yeah, never since then. Yeah, so that's that's a good way to put it. They're unserious. I know there's a lot of unserious, but that's because we're not a trusting bunch, and we're also not a negative bunch. We don't want to throw you in poverty if you don't deserve it, but we're also not just yeah. going to hand out free passes to the frisk zone. So respect to us. Denver Broncos, I would like to say that this is also an unserious. I don't think that I can take them fully seriously until they prove to me that they're a frisk zone team. That's how I feel. And like you said, the defense is phenomenal but uh, one name Sean Payton and he if he's not the definition of unserious I don't know what is and when your head coach is unserious then there's like you you're automatically being put in unserious like I'm not putting you in frisky you you need that's a great way to put it because you can't go anywhere well actually heat because I think Brandon Staley's a literal clown and I, I was about to put the Chargers in the good zone but so I'm actually going to back out on what I was going to say. I'm exiting. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you go ahead. But look, but I know you think Staley's a clown, but at least he's not out here calling out other coaches, smoking like like ripping bongs on on Twitter. You know. Yeah. So and plus they have like the Denver Broncos. They have Vance Joseph. You want Vance Joseph to take over the team? Nah. Like the Chargers have Kellen Moore. That boosts up, you know, their head coaching value. I agree with that. That's a good way to put it. So the Broncos are going unserious, even though, you know, they're kind of like a mirror image, Spider-Man meme, verbal yeah. meme, Saints. Yes. Yeah. And Saints we put into the unserious zone. So I yeah. think we're doing the right thing. Chargers, I I don't think they're too better than the Broncos, but by our rating system, I think they're good. I think they're better than the Frisk zone. If you're asking me, would I rather have the Chargers or the Lions? I would rather be the Chargers and the Lions are already in the good zone. That's the way I see it. Oh, well, then that's a no-brainer, yeah, because I think the Chargers are better than the Lions. So I like the quarterback, and there you go. I like Justin Herbert, still think he's good, and I'm still waiting for that like big breakout year. Um, not not personally for him because he's already broken out just for the Chargers. Um, so I agree that they're, they're good, or even though I took an under, but still, I think they're good. 
Yeah. Well, this is just how they look right now. You're you're projecting a yeah. season. You're saying they're going to go under. Yeah. But right now, they're looking good. And I think yeah. obviously, there's no there's no doubt where the, the Super Bowl champions go. They they don't even deserve to be in this conversation. We're just going to put them where they belong, yeah. and everybody knows where that is, and that's fine. Um, other things before we do these movies quickly, I did want to ask because you are a basketball guy, where you were at with that Giannis comment, which uh, the full quote was. I would not be the best version of myself if I don't know that everybody's on the same page. Everybody's going for a championship. Everybody's going to sacrifice time away from their family like I do. And if I don't feel that, I'm not signing. So that was what he said to the New York Times. I find that quote very interesting. And I think if you project out what the Bucks are going to look like in a couple of years, um, I think they've got some aging players. And I think they're going to have a hard time replacing them because... Honestly, it's Milwaukee. They've never been able to sign free agents anyway. And I think that that quote is very telling and leads you to it's believe very that. direct. Yeah. And, and it basically says, bye, I'm leaving. Um, I think I think he has two years on his contract, right? Because I think he's eligible for extension this like upcoming summer now. He's like been talking about this because even in 2019, I think lots of teams were gearing up thinking he wouldn't sign an extension and he did. Um, but I don't know. I feel like he's always in the back of his head, kind of, you know, wanted to eventually move on from Milwaukee. He won them a title. So, I mean, if he leaves, he can't really knock the guy if, he, if, it's, if it's what he's wanted his whole life was to leave. Now, the thing is, is like typically with the international guys, they're typically like just a one team ride or die. Um, but, you know, we might be seeing a new age where Giannis might want to leave. And you look at Luca too. Luca's another international guy where it's very, um, you know, plausible that he could leave. Very realistic idea that he could leave one day. Um, so, and I don't know why, but I, I mean, it's probably Miami is what he has in the back of his mind. I'm not going to talk about Toronto because I thought our best chance was um, that like 2019 year, I think, um, to maybe get something done, but he signed that extension. So, I don't know what other options he'd want to look at. I don't know if he'd want to go to New York. I feel like Miami's always been a link for him, but Miami's kind of been a link for everybody, like forever. So, um, but I mean, hey, we just might want to test out a bigger market, try try somewhere else. Maybe, Le you know, LeBron might not be on the Lakers in two years, and maybe he's like, you know what, I want to I want to take the Lakers and, and win a title in LA or something, you know? So um, it's a very interesting comment, and, it uh, it seems more real than la than last time that uh, he he would leave the leave the Bucks because like you said I don't know how the Bucks are gonna make this roster competitive um, to where Giannis is like yep let's sign a max yeah and I know he loves you know being there and everything and he's I would say he's done more time there than he would the more time he had spent there than most people would have spent there I think he's stuck it out I think he's done his time with the Bucks. not saying that that's like a you know like a prison sentence to be on the Bucks. they want a ring and they put a successful team around him but you know I, I think the heat make a lot of sense for that I think players look at the heat and they want to be there because who wouldn't want to but I also think if the Knicks like you say they put together a couple years where they are like the last two years where they're just like a star away who wouldn't want to be there too like that yeah. makes a lot of sense to me as well so I think the quote is interesting because he's sort of saying, like, you, I'm not going to ask for trade or nothing, but you have a window. Like, trade your picks. Get guys in here. You got two years. I think he's going about this the right way. I don't have an issue with the comment. I always have a lot of respect for him, so I think that 
it's a good move. I, I'm looking forward to see what happens. Now, if I was selfish, I would say that in two years, maybe the, the San Antonio Spurs will be near a ring or something, and they have a good team culture, and they have a, another superstar. But, you know, if I was selfish, that's what I would say. I'm not selfish, though. I won't say that. I Do you think, think at possibly trading him at all? Maybe, obviously not this year, but maybe next year? before, Like, so you can get something? What, I, Is he a guy I, you just don't trade unless he says, hey, I'm okay with being traded? I would be unpopular take. I'm more open to letting people leave for nothing if it means I'm chasing a championship. Yeah, that's fair. Like yeah. if I'm going nowhere though, then I'm le- then I'm trading. But yeah. if I if I have a championship level guy who's won me a championship before, why would I? Yeah, just just like the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, yeah. literally. That that makes no sense what they do with Dame. But <laughs> if they were like, no, no, I'm saying because because that that like they just kept the one guy and thought they would like win a championship. It's like, oh my god, trade him. I was yes. just being sarcastic. No, no, I see what you. <laughs> I see what you mean. They're a good juxtaposition. They're the other way to yeah. argue that, which I like. Have you seen the? Uh, have you seen the Manzel or the Gators documentary? I have seen the Manzel uh, documentary. Yes. I have a huge problem with how documentaries it's, are getting done. Well, well, I have a huge problem with one scene, but I'll the, let you go first. No, no, you go in ahead. The, well, in the which one was it? Well, like, you see how, like, I didn't even know he had that troubled of a of a life. I mean, you can't, you can't, you just can't know everything. But the drugs, um, the alcohol, the, like, I mean, you know, he, he thought about committing suicide at one point too um and you know i think in that kind of a documentary in that kind of a style that you make the documentary in you want to have some sort of a positive finish some sort of like okay um you know this is where he's at now let's look forward to something first of all the documentary finished and there was nothing to look forward to because and that's fine like he doesn't know what he wants to do that's okay my problem was that he had a king size Amstel beer just like ripping it on the patio. And you know what? If he wants to drink alcohol, that's fine. Why the hell would you decide that like that needs to be in the documentary? Yeah. And so the closing scene. Like so awkward and defeating. Yeah. And the closing scene. It's like, oh my God. I, that was such a poor choice. Whoever decided to put that in there. Yeah, I agree. Like you're trying you. to send a message, and then it's him just like cranking a king size. Like what? Yeah, no, they they completely flubbed that. I think. I I don't know. I don't want to say, like I I really like Manziel when he was at Texas A and M. I I remember watching the game vividly against Alabama, the first one. I watched it in my basement, and it was you know one of those things that like you just don't forget. You don't see people do that. He was. An amazing athlete. I even came to see him at McMahon Stadium when he was with Hamilton. Like I, you know, I love Johnny Football as a football player, but he lived a a, a career that was so turbulent at all times that I think that I would have liked to. And again, it's his life. I don't want to say anything. I just would. I'm with you. I would have liked to have seen a more positive ending to the show. I would like to know that okay. at least maybe some things have changed, but I don't. Yeah, you know, I I think he I think the old thing that we used to we said two years ago like my lifestyle isn't the problem it's the sport I'm playing is too demanding that summed him up perfectly. 
Exactly. Yeah, but my larger problem with these documentaries is that the they <laughs> the fact that these people get control over their documentaries is, and I don't know when this changed, but like we okay, here's a good example. We all watch that George Best documentary, right? And it comes yeah. out after the fact that his his people around him and people who know him didn't like the documentary because they said they dug into ugly parts of his life. Well, unfortunately, well, that's when you know the documentary is good. Exactly. Unfortunately, that's your life. And if you're telling a documentary, everything's got to be in there. The Florida documentary doesn't go into anything controversial. It's just a documentary about a football team, which is fine. But if you're doing a documentary about Florida, the football team, you need to talk about the 42 people that were arrested who were part of that team. You need to talk about Hernandez. You need to talk about the Pouncey brothers. You need to talk about Joe Hayden, Cam Newton. The fact that you can just gloss over that and people still rate the documentary and think it's very good... I just have I have such a problem with how these are being made. We need to get back to the point where people bring up the uncomfortable topics in these documentaries, and it's not just creative. Urban Meyer has executive producing, so he writes out everything that he doesn't like. Well, and that's why I think Thirty for Thirties were so good, and even the earlier ones, because they were just touch on like stuff that wasn't pretty, stuff that we didn't know, stuff that was difficult to watch. And I think that's what a documentary is made for. Make a movie then, if you don't want to, if you don't want to get into the kind of stuff or something make a movie that you know doesn't touch on this stuff but i think a documentary like it's kind of it's your job it's your responsibility i think to make it as real and as accurate as possible so yeah exactly it's not they've just i don't know when this changed like i said but it has changed like it used to not be like this but it might just be a netflix thing though i don't know but even the 30 for 30s have gotten like this too like it's all it's all like, yeah, yeah. like I yeah. remember I watched the magic one and it was Shaq talk, like Shaq just glosses over that he stabbed them in the back on the way out and went to the Lakers. Like he's like, oh, it was just time for me to go. It's like, yeah, that's not how it played out at all. I have read a lot about that. That's yeah. literally the opposite of what happened. So I just, I'm, I'm just going to be done with sports documentaries for a while, I think is my greater problem, yeah. but let's do these movies. Um, we're double dipping this week, Sicario and Annihilation. You picked Sicario, and let's get yeah. into that one first because I actually really liked Sicario. I thought it was fire. Um, I liked a lot about it. I thought it was a really interesting story. I just have some, I don't know, I felt that them ending with the kid in the field um, playing soccer while, like, very powerful and, like, a whoa, like, message, I, I, I didn't yeah. really have, a, like, like, what was that connecting to? I didn't really understand that that's the life that they live no matter like what who you take down like they took down a big boss like benicio del toro um got a huge hit right um taking down you know some of those guys doesn't matter someone else is going to come that sort of culture still exists that sort of violence still exists in that part of the world um and i don't know i think something is like just shows you that something is like simple and is you know, just, just a kid playing soccer in a field, like, and then you hear those gunshots ringing out, and they just still kind of keep playing soccer. It's like that's just part of life. Um, so I thought that was for me. I thought it was a very interesting ending. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. I just thought that the message of the movie was kind of like, I don't know, like it, it was sort of to me based around like corruption, like that. that yeah, that that she's not going to betray what she believes in and she kind of gets well she does get completely bulldozed by people who are 
willing to compromise, but they should do. And I thought that yeah. if they had ended with her on the balcony facing that guy and Benicio Del Toro and him just walking away, I think that would have been a better ending to the story than the kid with on the soccer field because I felt like that wasn't, like what I saw the movie as, that wasn't connected to it. And I'm not saying it wasn't, yeah. like, like it was powerful. It was like, wow, damn. But it wasn't, yeah. to me, I would have liked it better if they ended with that. That's my only complaint. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Well, I think it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, just because I, I don't know, I, lo- I love the suspense, the the suspense, the tension. Um, like I said, in those three words, the the cinematography was unbelievable. Um, and I just, yeah, I just thought it was. I liked what they showed. Like, I mean, even that um, that one scene when they're like riding into one of the uh, one of the towns and they just see like that naked body hanging over the bridge. Like, oh my god! Like. I, it just shows you what they're dealing with, um, and the, I, I just think there's so many great scenes to pick from. Even the the border scene was yeah. insane, and it's I, for me it's a rewatchable movie. I it's just really good. Oh yeah, I don't have like any complaints at all. I just thought it was yeah really well done, and I saw that there is sequels to this movie. There is. I watched the sequel, and it's I wouldn't say just as good, but pretty damn close damn i'm gonna have to watch that then okay and i know they're making a third too so this guy i mean oh wow yeah oh they're cooking i think it's unrelated to the previous characters but yeah it's still pretty sick and um annihilation which did you did you finish off annihilation today i couldn't i could not finish off annihilation because i don't know if i was watching like Fortnite or if i was watching um bone tomahawk or if I was watching a video game, like I didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> a lot of gory scenes, lots of shooting, lots of randomness. Um, I got about halfway. Yeah, I don't know. I this is not my movie, but I can completely see how this is Owen's movie. Yeah, I would say the same. I think he picked literally a combo of Donnie Darko and Bone Tomahawk, and I'm giving this movie like probably a two. Um, I yeah. I thought the ending was just atrocious. I I really, I I really did not like this movie. I think maybe it's just, and I see how he likes it because it's like a thinking movie, you know, like you really got to think about everything that they're doing in there. But there was no one likes to ask those like deep questions. Yeah, and there's no problem with that. But my my thing is like I just can't imagine being a filmmaker and being like you know what, I'm going to do this. And it's like, you're not going to know what I'm talking about, but you're going to think about it. It's like, I would like a little more direction, please. And that one scene too, where they just cut into the guy, like where they're watching that videotape. Of That's... that of, um, And then, oh my God. But I don't know. Owen just like loves the gory, like gory parts. And I mean, good for him, but I, uh, yeah. There was also, I, I don't know if you made it to this point, but there was uh, a bear that just ate half a woman's face and you just saw all of it. That that was a nice turn away too. There was the uh the alligator too that was coming out of the swamp and took like eight hundred bullets to kill. Um I'm I'm gonna was, try uh, to under lay out the ending for you here. The um Natalie Portman makes it to the lighthouse after Okay. The other the, the head lady makes it to the lighthouse. Right. She gets in the lighthouse and there's like a videotape again. And it's her husband and he's leaving instructions on how to find Natalie Portman 
and then he blows himself up. But then a duel of him pulls up to after he's already blown himself up, and it's just a double. So they took back the double. The double walked his way back using the instructions that he left. And then she's like, oh, he, like, this is where, like, the doubling happens, like, in the lighthouse. So then she walks down in, in further into the lighthouse, and then the lady's in there, the head lady, and she's basically like, I've been doubled. And it's, like, the double lady. So then, she, like, blood starts, like, coming out of Natalie Portman's, like, face, and it goes sucked into, like, this vortex. And then a double Natalie Portman creates itself, but Natalie Portman figures out how to murder her double. So she kills her double. And then the world like blows up, like the bubble like explodes. So then she's back at the lab and then she's like, where's like the husband? And then she like pulls up, but he's like, he's like still living and she's trying to figure out if it's the fake. And it just ends like, you don't know if he's the fake or not. That was the end. (laughs) That was actually a really good explanation. I love that. Wow. That's insane. So, from what I lots of blowing up and lots of doubling. Lots of doubling. And lots of question marks. <laughs> lots of question marks. Like, is she the double? Like, was she double like is she real? Do we know? That's like the That is so heat. Can you imagine if you wrote that in like as a university like paper in like your English class? Oh, you'd get an F. Wow, would there be like what what is like what do you mean by this? Like you need to expand. Like I don't under like what do you mean by doubling? What like Wow, that'd be just the paper with the most, like, corrections on it. And I guess that the guy who they cut open and he had all those things, that was because he was double. Like, he wasn't, you know, the real him. He was the double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That makes sense. Yeah, that's going to yeah, be that was, yeah. that's gonna be a two for me. I really I, – I'm not yeah. in on the Annihilation. I'm going to say that. But interesting movie. Yeah, I'll retweet you. <laughs> I'll retweet you on that. And I was in on Sicario. Sicario's top tier. And Adam did leave me his movie for this week. It's about time. It's that one. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you've scrolled past it a thousand times. It's that one that has <laughs> Jennifer Garner like laughing in the rain as like a guy's like kind of holding her. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen the cover. Oh, sure. I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've went past that movie a million times. Yeah, everyone has. But this week we're going to Boys have been picking some... Uh interesting movies here but okay Owen has- like I don't know why we're watching a movie that we've scrolled past a thousand times but whatever hey, we'll watch it it's their choice which is fine I'm good with that exactly and, and Owen has somehow managed to pick the same movie for the last I don't know four turns it's just it, he's on an unbelievable exactly. streak so respect to him um, with I'm- Owen's movies it either doesn't make sense or it's got an insane amount of gore yeah, yeah, it's one of the two. This one was basically just Donnie Darko. Just if you didn't Both. like that, don't go with this one. That's all I'm gonna say. Exactly. Um, I think the other, well, last thing to mention: football's coming back. We're gonna have to go back to our two-week system, which is gonna be Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, recordings, and then Monday, Thursday drops, which is exciting. I'm looking forward to getting back in the picks lab. And that means that we have a shorter turnaround to this next one. So that'll be Labor Day Monday that the show comes out. It's going to have FJ to break down the dirt. long, long-awaited FJ appearance. How long has he been clamoring to get his turn at the mic? Well, ever since I, uh, ever since we started the pod, and I, you know, when are you guys going to get me on? When are you guys going to get me on? 
And I think finally the perfect moment has arrived. And honestly, I was just waiting for us to do um, NFC East. Yeah. I was like, when are we doing NFC East? And honestly, kind of nice to finish it off last because I think it's going to be a pretty memorable uh, performance by FJ. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And we would have loved to have people on this week, but, you know, it's a it's a shoddy internet connection and it's a two-man weave. It's the once a summer, oh, we got to get this in. And it's like the last kind of week of summer and, you know, you know, people aren't really available, so it's fine. Yeah. It's all good. Uh, there's no problem with that. Owen's out in Utah, living, oh. living the high life. Adam's got two days left at sight, so I think he's just locked in grinding. So shout out to Adam. I know he's locked in. And you and I have done this before, so it's no problem. Oh, it's, no, it's a, like a pleasure. It's like a little treat, actually. Two man. Yeah. yeah. So respect. All right. Well, we'll be back. Oh, well, 10. Actually, that's important. I can't leave that ten. out. 10. And we'll yep, be back on Monday to break down the uh, the NFC East and then Thursday to do picks for week one. We're so close. We're almost there. So, yeah, time to lock in, everybody. Talk to you guys then.